0: This episode of the Managing Major Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you, and you can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. And all you have to do is just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, And then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge at any time. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to Managing Madrid podcast listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash managingmadrid. That's betterhelp.com slash managingmadrid. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring the Managing Madrid podcast. Nice article
1: in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. The wonderful lads that
0: do a great job there. And worth reading about that part there. The rest the Times ended up almost looking like a 6 3 1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate Podcast as well. Of course, Petri Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Managing with your Podcast. I'm your host, Keon Sobani, joined by Matt Wilsey today on a Sunday late afternoon. We are recording this right after Wales and Gareth Bale and the entire nation. Qualifies for the World Cup in 2022 in Qatar, and Gareth Bale. It wasn't his goal. It was an own goal for Yarmolenko. It was a ridiculous own goal and unfortunate for him and all of Ukraine, of course. But I always like to give benefit of the doubt to the attackers and give them credit more than blaming the defenders. So I'm going to give that credit to Gareth Bale, who whipped in a very dangerous ball at the very least into the box to send Wales on their way. So we're recording this podcast right after that happened, and it's actually a bit. Kind of a coincidence you know we weren't really planning that necessarily but we did know we are planning on three big tribute podcasts this summer one for gareth bale one for isco one for Marcelo. and we looked at the schedule like hey you know what why don't we do the Bale one first because you know they have a big game on sunday so why don't we record it right after because it'll be fresh in our minds that we just saw gareth bale play we're not going to analyze the game necessarily but we're just going to talk about Bale as a whole, and his Real Madrid legacy, our thoughts, our expectations, the whole journey from start to finish, and then we'll do Isco and Marcelo later on in the summer as we, um, we like to fill up content almost daily now, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about those. So, Matt, welcome to the show, my friend. We are here to talk about Gareth Bale, and why don't we go all the way back, all the way back, ignoring for a second all of the trophies and all of the controversies and all of the goals and all of the drama and all that stuff why don't we start all the way back to Gareth Dale first signing for Real Madrid can you put yourself in a time machine put yourself in your in your shoes then and talk us through the experience and what you felt in that moment
1: yeah so I think those of us who were, who were fans back in 2013, definitely remember the summer and the long, drawn-out negotiations with Daniel Levy, as they always are with him in Tottenham. And it was clear, though, that Bale only wanted Real Madrid. And I think that's what made this move happen. And I remember uh, on a podcast, it was this year, maybe, Keon, where we were saying, yeah, but Bale's not really a fan of... of football and he's like kind of fallen in love out of love with the game but in 2013 and probably prior like the thing that separated bale from from like because he could have gone to any club he could have gone especially being british every major premier league club wanted and manchester united was dying to have him and um he only wanted real madrid and so say what you will about whether he's a fan of football. He was a fan of Real Madrid growing up, and he only wanted to join us. He wanted. He was a fan of Cristiano. He wanted to play alongside him. He mirrored his game off of him, and he, he hoped to be the heir to Cristiano's throne. And honestly, so my thoughts prior to his transfer were, I had really really big expectations for him because of what he had done especially that last season at Tottenham he was phenomenal just lights out and he came like with the expectation that he would be the guy that would take over from Cristiano once Cristiano like we all thought Cristiano would kind of phase out earlier than he did but Bale was expected to be the guy the second in command but be the guy who would take over from from Cristiano and he was the Premier League player. Like, he was the standout. So, it for me, the expectations were huge. But my one concern with Bale was just, would it, would it translate to this Real Madrid team? Would it translate to La Liga? Because I think at that time, more so, I know you recently had a conversation about this on Churos. but I think at that time, the Premier League and the La Liga cultures were very different. Um, and so I think... And just like the styles of play were very different. And so I wondered if Bale would mix well with with Real Madrid and with La Liga. But that was my only concern is like, does he really fit our team? And I honestly felt like in the beginning, and even kind of all throughout his career, you sometimes hear people say this, that he just looks like he doesn't really, um, like chemistry-wise, fit that well with Real Madrid in certain games. And like he was just isolated and out of it. But for the most part, I mean, as soon as he scored on his debut, I was like, oh, man, that, that's when I really got excited. So I know I babbled on there, but that was kind of my initial thoughts, just like heading into the transfer and where, where my head was at just with expectations for Bale.
0: Well, the love for the club and the love for the game and all that stuff. I mean, no one can really tell the absolute truth about that other than him. But, you know, we... I remember this topic. This topic appears a lot in our in-person podcast, like, you know, usually after the podcast we do in different cities, people, there'll be time to mingle. So people will come up to me and ask me certain questions and a recurring question is about bail and like, what do you think and all this? And, and I've always been, you know, defensive of bail. Generally speaking, I think I think he's been through a lot through the media. I think a lot of the fan criticism is a little bit harsh and a little bit over the top. I've had a monologue recently that went on YouTube and also on Churros and all about this it was lasted like 15 to 20 minutes of me kind of just bringing in every nuance uh, part of this topic. But one thing I always said was like, you know, Bale looks at this as a nine to five job. He it's like a commute for him and a, and a job he doesn't like and he's excited to clock out. But I, I think. But I also wanted to say, I don't think it's necessarily the sport itself that he didn't like it. He didn't like. I think it's just the way it unfolded with Real Madrid that he dreaded coming to work. With with the Welsh national team, you can see the excitement. You can see the passion. You can see the love. He likes showing up to that gig, right? And for. The longest time it was like that at Real Madrid too. What eventually happened, there was a distance between him and Zidane. If we were, if we were like really simplify it and strip it all down, it, it came down to a distance between him and Zidane, which in itself created a domino effect of conflict and separation between him and the club and the players because Zidane is, Zidane, he is the most beloved figure. You know, he's, 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 Zidane is always gonna win in that situation because of who he is. And so that's just a very simplified version of it. And we're going to probably get into that as we, we talk about Bale later in his career. But I think that the love for Real Madrid from the beginning, it was there at one point, And if it got extinguished later, it, it was because of a you know different thing and not because he didn't like the sport or he didn't love the club. So that out of the way for a second, I think when, when we signed Bale in 2013, I was like, this is... This is one of our best signings in a like in a long time. I couldn't put a necessarily put a time frame on it, but you know, the most excited uh, for for a signing I've ever been as a Real Madrid fan personally speaking. It's subjective, but was Zidane when I was a kid. I was like, "What? We're signing him?" Like this guy was like infallible to me. I was like 13 at the time when we signed Zidane, I think, and I would watch him in the World Cup. I would watch him with Juve. I was like, this guy is literally God on earth. Like, we're getting him to add to Figo and Raul? This is going to be fucking nuts. This is going to be insane. And so that, to me, like, even Cristiano Ronaldo, and, like, as much as I was excited about him and Kaka and Benzema, et cetera, Zidane was, like, the coolest signing to me. But it really, I think if I'm going to put number two of, like, how I felt in that moment, Bale was about as excited as I've ever been for a signing because of what I saw in the Premier League and i had little doubt that it would work in la liga i wasn't too worried about the contrasting styles partly because um i think bale actually as much as he's going to be labeled as the kind of for lack of a better word pace and power athletic freak etc shooting sh- a shooting of, uh, the shooting ability of of like you know someone we've rarely seen in football i mean he had the roberto carlos power but with the accuracy and the dip i mean that Cristiano ronaldo had at his peak remember when Cristiano ronaldo was taking free kicks and if it was as if he was taking penalties he was like kicking grapes in an ocean bale had that too for the longest time it's like i just wanted him to shoot from like 50 yards if there was space i i had that much ability in the shooting but also his ball carrying and his dribbling all that stuff but i also think there was two things that were underrated about him when we were talking about whether he would succeed in, in la liga or not one was his defensive work, which part of the reason, make no mistake, that BBC worked at its peak was because it wasn't Messi and Mbappe and Neymar. They were young and they worked hard defensively. Like you can argue Cristiano Ronaldo had the most lapsed defensive role of the three, but Bale would Bale was the kind of guy who, if he was cutting in and crossing and shooting or whatever in the final third, Ten seconds later, he could be in our box sprinting back for a slide tackle. He was very reliable defensively. That was one. The second aspect I think was underrated about him was that he was actually very technically gifted. This wasn't just a matter of a guy who's a freak athlete who could shoot. He actually, like, we'd always say, like, you know, oh, maybe his age, his game won't age well because it's so reliant on athleticism. And I think in one way that's true, but at the same time, you could see his footwork in tight spaces when he's being pressed, he could escape it. He had a beautiful outside-of-the-boot technique as well that Modric has, but you know we don't talk about it as much with Bale because we just literally haven't seen him play in like five years. What it feels like. So, I, I think those two aspects of him were severely underrated and part of the reason why I think I wasn't worried about his fit in La Liga, and I, I think it turns out to be true. I mean, I, however you spin it, however you want to spend the last two, three, four years, he's been a wild success and he's been incredible the stats speak for themselves the eye test was amazing with him in the league Uh, i wasn't worried about that aspect of it
1: yeah those two great points like for me i think honestly the biggest surprise was his technical ability and i had watched him at tottenham i'd seen a lot like majority of his games i've seen even prior years i obviously saw the game against inter milan where he burned Mike on and it's just a famous game and i i'd seen the bail develop and grow over the years but i never really appreciated or understood just how technically proficient he was and just how good he was with the ball at his feet and that he could get out of those tight spaces and i think the perfect emblematic moment of that or the moment that's always stayed in my head is the goal against schalke away in germany i think we're wearing the orange kits and he does the almost like the iniesta where you, you uh you pass it from one foot to the other to the defender and he does that so quick and then snipes a the goal into the bottom corner like that was vintage bail that was what he was capable of at a technical level and he i think his first season honestly was his best season He was, he was, it's up there, arguably. I think it's up there as one of his best seasons. I think of the goal, the hat trick against Sevilla, some of the free kicks he scored, the long distance goals. Like he was the Ryo goal where he dribbles from literally inside his own box and burns the whole Ryo team. Obviously he burns Mark Barcher on the Copa del Rey final. I mean, you can just go over so many moments in your head in that first season. And You think about, I guess the other big thing from his transfer that was discussed was he broke the world record fee at that time. And so he was even more than Cristiano Ronaldo and Real Madrid tried to like change, put out in the media that it was like, what, a euro lower or 10 euros lower than Cristiano. But in reality, it was 100 million. And he was, he was worth every penny in my book. Like he paid that back tenfold. And that's saying something, especially in today's world. You look at the top transfer lists now and I don't think you can say I would I think you would say seventy five percent of those transfers didn't work out. And so for Bale to live up to the hype, pay back that transfer fee, win five Champions League. Yes, he wasn't part of this most recent one, but still he's gonna have five Champions League on his on his resume. It's just incredible and that's that's all you could ask from him and he's had big moments in the biggest of games
0: i think the fact that he was a big game big game player is what makes this so important like we can look at the stats and the numbers and they're impressive up until a certain point in his real amateur career then they kind of fall off because he's not playing he's injured whatever Uh, but the big game aspect of him is huge and that's part of the reason why zidane was worth every penny too you know there's so much criticism of Zidane as a player from the analytics community. Um, And it ignores a couple things. One is we didn't have advanced stats for the genius of Zidane, first of all, for back then. And second of all, it ignores the fact that, um, aside from the obvious things that ignores the fact that football is meant to be entertainment and we're supposed to be entertained and beautiful and Zidane was the poster boy of that, but also Zidane was a big game player. If it was a Champions League final, it was a World Cup final, you know he's gonna show up. And Bale was the same thing, and I think that's why it makes it worth it. It makes every penny well spent, because that's what you pay these guys the big bucks for, and they were both worth every penny. Um, So looking at the numbers now, and I'm just kind of glancing at them, and I think you can almost break down uh, Bale's career at Real Madrid in a couple different chunks. But the the first couple years, and you mentioned whether the first one is the best one. Statistically speaking, the best one is 2015, 2016. In that that's year, the one that stood in my mind. That year, he had, per 90, 1.51 goals and assists per 90, which is the best of his entire career. Uh, and that's a staggering number. Yeah, it is. He scored 19 goals in 23 appearances in La Liga, and these are stats that are in La Liga, by the way. Um, 19. This obviously ignores the fact that he was also doing things in the Champions League throughout his entire Real Madrid career. But 2015-2016, 19 goals, 10 assists, and uh and then in his first year, which you spoke of, he had 1.18 goals and assists per 90. That's 15 goals in 24 starts, 12 assists. Throughout, you know, his best season that Real Madrid also, he was a great playmaker too. He was a great passer, um, and obviously, you know, managing Madrid had a a Twitter thread of like or like asking fans about like what's your favorite Bale moment. That's not the obvious one. So I'm forgetting like the Bartra rose, the Champions League final goal, etc., the, the the multiple Champions League final goals, um, but like the more the favorite hipster ones. And the one I mentioned, just like as an overarching theme with Bale, I think one of the things I enjoyed most about him apart from the numbers is that we have had an era there with ronaldo and bale which turned out exactly as we had hoped and prophesized when we signed him what we had hoped was the, like holy shit you put Cristiano ronaldo on the left wing you put gareth bale on the right wing how the fuck do you defend that like it's impossible because they're almost mirrored versions of each other they cut in and shoot with their strong foot they're both athletic freaks they can be interchangeable. Like we saw that um, early on throughout the Real Madrid career that they would actually start switching flanks or like Bale would go over to the left side to overload. They would cross to each other. There's so many famous goals with them involved. The two that the two games that stand out to me are one, the 3-0 at the Cauldron with Ronaldo scoring the hat-trick with Bale just... Riamja playing defensive football, compact, and Bale would just run up the flank with the ball, no one could stop him, and he would square it across it to Ronaldo game over. And then obviously the one in Munich, the 4-0, where, you know, that's one of the most famous Riamja wins in 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 our history, really. So many great memories. The Ramos brace with the header, Bale feeding Ronaldo. So, you know, those are the memories that I will remember Bale for, you know. And I predicted that once time passes, we'll remember this side of Bale and not the controversies. And to be honest, even right now, that's what I remember the most, more than the controversy. So go, you know, so talk to me a little bit about that, Matt, like in terms of your favorite memories, apart from the obvious ones, what is it that you remember from Bale?
1: Yeah, I mean, all those sequences were going through my head as you were talking about it. Like the Bayern Munich one to this day is one of my favorite Real Madrid memories it just we ran riot and everything was working the Cristiano Benzema Ronaldo trifecta was just it was unstoppable unstoppable and I think um a lot of maybe some other of my favorite bail memories were um in that 2015-2016 season he really stood up and became like the main guy towards the end of that La Liga season. And if you remember, that's when Benitez got fired. Zidane came in and we were like, I forget how many points. I think we were 11 11 points behind in La Liga. And we brought it all the way to the last day. And Cristiano really didn't play the last two or three La Liga games because I think we were resting him for, for the final in Milan. And so Bale had to step up and I think it was against away at Deportivo was our last game of the season and we were still we were literally tied on points I think or one point behind Barcelona and it was going down to the last day and Bale steps up this was either the penultimate game or the last game where he scored two headers um to carry the team through and like just put the team on his back and like we really weren't playing well but Bale pulled something out of nothing and he did that all of that fine, that second half of that 2015 2016 season. I think, yeah, that's. I, I know I said the first season was probably as a whole. I think the first season was probably his best, but that, tw- that final phase of the 2015 2016 season, I thought he was spectacular. I thought he was fantastic in the final uh, against Atletico Madrid in Milan. Uh, I actually, I actually think he played pretty poorly in La Decima. That doesn't really get talked about. And I thought he missed not like opportunities that, and any normal player should definitely have scored. Like they probably wouldn't have been that high on the XG chart, but for a player of Bale's quality, I expected him to score. And I just remember being so frustrated and so upset with Bale because he missed all these opportunities, and we were we were losing obviously all the way up until the 90th minute. But he'll only be remembered for scoring the game winner at the end with the header. So that, but in his final game, his the final in Milan, I thought actually out of all the Champions League final performances, was his best. Uh, he played really well and obviously he steps up takes a pk and then kind of like hobbles off holding his hip flexor so that was <laughs> that's vintage bail as well just him getting injured sort of holding on for dear life just trying to survive that match but he uh, those are those are some of my favorite memories and i, I think he i think the t- turning point was cuz you mentioned it how like it fell apart with zidane and i think when zidane lost trust in him was if you remember he tried to rush to come back in the 2016-2017 season at the Santiago Bernabeu against Barcelona and he had that niggling calf injury and he only played like five minutes or something at the start of that game and then had to be subbed out because of the injury and I think after that Zidane just said you know what I have to reshuffle the system East Coast playing well I'm going to put a diamond and this is my team now and because Zidane had already won the Champions League, had been doing so well, we were progressing, he had the latitude and the just the authority to kind of pull off that kind of move, and it, and it worked.
0: So I think on that note, and by the way, if you like, what I wanted to do initially, but I decided not to because it's so crazy, at some point we were gonna have to talk about the injuries, right? And I was gonna be like, okay, well, here they are. Just list them off. You can't list them off. You need an entire podcast. Like if you go on Transfer Market and look up Gareth Bale's injuries, that's the only way any sane human can actually keep up with it. You need a website to actually organize it for you. You got to go back several pages just to go back to, to figure it out. It's a lot. It's a lot of injuries. And what I will say about Zidane and Bale and kind of the way that deteriorated is that I don't... I think I don't think anyone's necessarily at fault. Like I don't think we need to label it as like bad guy, good guy kind of thing. I kind of understand the point of view of both of those players, of both of those entities. The reason I say that is that Zidane was one of Bale's biggest fans from the beginning. If you go back and think about when we signed him at that time, Zidane wasn't. I can't remember if he was a sporting director or he was the assistant coach. Sporting director. Sporting director, and right?
1: It, well, when we signed, when we signed. Actually, when he joined the team, he was assistant coach, but when we were trying to sign him, he was sporting director.
0: Correct, yes. So, he has that famous quote where he says, Gareth Bale was born to play for Real Madrid. Zidane is the one who pushed for Bale to sign for Real Madrid. Zidane was Bale's biggest fan, both as a sporting director and as a coach. And with Bale there, uh, (laughs) he won a lot. You know, it was, I mean, everyone won a lot. It wasn't just balance in everybody, everybody fed into it. It was, it was really like perfect blend. You know, I, I recently tweeted about, because it was the fifth anniversary of our Champions League triumph in sixteen seventeen, And I tweeted it about, and someone else was commenting about that. And I replied to them and I was like, yep, great point. You know, this team was a perfect blend of all their legends at their peak, but also Zidane spearheading it. And it was just a Perfect formula. The perfect if you have to like do some chemistry and create a perfect team, that is probably why that team is the perfect and best ramjet team in history. Better than anything I've ever seen since '98. And I really wasn't around for 50 the 50s, obviously. But you know, we've watched a lot of the games from the 50s, and the best I can say is it's not fair to compare and we just have no idea. We can we have to respect both of them. But from what I've seen since '98 is that that 16 team was the best Reamder team that I've seen. Even better than, I know some people will say, maybe 2012 was up there. Um, I think 2012 was great. I even think some of these iterations since uh, Reamders in 2015 could, could compete with it. But 16-17 had a similar core to the 12 team, but more polished players at their peak with more experience that would, I think would get the job done. But I don't want to argue too much about it. But they all won a lot together. And they were all important. And I think Zidane, that turning point you said with the Classico, that's when the turning point happened. And I don't necessarily blame Zidane for going in that direction. Partly because one of the most important things about a footballer is durability, man. Like you and I have talked about this so many times, right? We have to look at a player's track record of their injuries to also examine whether they're a good signing or not. That is very important. Is Zidane has to look at Bale in that moment and just completely be. We have to be sympathetic with that frustration he had in that moment because he's like, man, I can't even rely on this guy. The problem is I have a great player on Isco on the bench. I, if you remember, Lucas Vasquez was getting a lot of playing time because Lucas Vasquez at that time was reliable. He was durable. He wasn't as good as Gareth Bale, but. Yeah, at least you knew what you were getting from him. And so I, I understand Zidane's uh, split with Bale in that moment because he wants to also give playing time to those who merit it. And as great as Bale, Bale is, every time he came back, he needed some momentum to get going. He needed a couple of games to get going again. And that's a pattern that just kept, just kept collapsing and it was a vicious cycle that you couldn't get the best out of Gareth Bale for that reason. So I completely understand Zidane wanting to drop him. And I completely understand Bale's frustration with this, too, because, you know, he wants to play. He's a great player. And then the drift kind of just, it got worse and worse to the point where if you fast forward to the league title we had with Zidane when he came back the second time, um, Bale's celebrations, like, he's barely involved. He's apathetic towards it. There's this clear distance be- and a disconnect between him and and Zidane and the, the rest of the team, he's not really celebrating. He's just kind of standing with his with his arms folded, as we have, you know, this is clearly documented. So it was just really unfortunate the way it unfolded. And, and I, you know, I don't really blame anyone. I don't, I'm not going to vilify Zidane, I'm not going to vilify Bale. I think, I, I think we do this thing too much as fans and media, where we try to take people down and bring them down and label them as villains. And no one worse than this than the Spanish press. And obviously people can feed off the Spanish press. I didn't like the way that it went down. I don't want to vilify anyone. I just kind of celebrated, but it was just unfortunate that you're right. The divide started there and it just got worse and worse instead of getting better and better.
1: Yeah. And we, we never know the full story with these things. And like, we don't know what could have been going on in Bale's personal life that could have been impacting him or whatever it may be. So I think there's always, there's always going to be two sides to the story as well. Like Bale may eventually one day come out and tell his side of the story, but I think you have to hear from florentino perez from zidane from jose angel sanchez like there's multiple different people that may have a slightly different variation of that story as well and i think when you piece the two together you can probably get a better picture but i don't know as if us as analysts or as fans will ever get that opportunity we we just don't know but from the outside looking in yeah the, the thing that was that probably will be forgotten like when our kids eventually look back and like look at the legacy of Bale, they're going to see the moments. They're going to see the, pe- the bicycle kick. They're going to see the header and the decimal. They're going to see the barter run. Like That's what's going to stay, and that's what will always be remembered of Bale. But when you were living it in a season, over a 12-month season, the frustration was always there because of the injuries. And no matter how well he played, you always kind of held your breath every single time he went down or every single time a medical report came out. And you knew, man, he's out. And like there would be – it was consistent that he would miss a huge chunk of the season, every single season. Like even his second year, he missed uh, like the majority of the season uh, that second year and really didn't play that well. And I know he he came under a lot of criticism in in 2014, 2015. And so – um that was just always the frustration it was just like oh, man this guy can't stay fit and then as he got older to the point you made Kian, his he would get injured and then he would be so it would take him a number of games before he really found match rhythm and then once he found it he got injured again and it was just this vicious cycle going round and round and round and so i think that's where a lot of fans got fed up and got frustrated yeah. and um i think that's where I think that's where like the anger started to kind of build where the frustration started to build. And then the way things fell apart and his apathetic attitude, his behavior on the bench, his leaving games early, not not celebrating with the team in the locker room, not being there for like so many different moments, falling asleep on the bench. Like we could go down the list, the Wales golf Madrid thing. There's been so many different things that you couple that with, the injury frustrations that had already kind of built this base foundation of frustration. And then you you pull this over where he's showing kind of this, this attitude, showing that he has a little bit of an ego, which every big player does, but like he can't, I don't think he ever accepted the fact that he wasn't going to be a major player at Real Madrid. And then it felt almost like by the end that he had, he wanted to spite real Madrid. Like he just wanted to be like, you know what, you're going to pay me my full contract and I'm going to be here and you're not going to get rid of me. No matter how badly you want to, I'm going to, I'm going to take this money. I'm going to take this contract and you sign me for this time. And I want to stay in Madrid. I want to live in Madrid. I think I could probably be my way back in, but no matter what, I'm going to make sure you pay me my, my full contract amount. And because of how much he was earning as well. I think all those factors came together and really built this animosity between him and, and a large portion of the fan base.
0: And, and for those reasons, by the way, also, while I said I'm sympathetic with Zidane, I'm sympathetic with Bale, um, I'm also sympathetic with fans for all those reasons that you mentioned, because it, it was frustrating as hell, even for, for us who were, or for me, who was uh, a Bale, a defendant of Gareth Bale. I was like, man, this guy gets in shape just in time for the Welsh national team. He basically is getting paid by Real Madrid to train and get healthy for his national team. And that was frustrating for me too. And by the end of it, it's like you know the the, the last game where he, at the burn where he pulled out of the Match J squad last minute, uh, that annoyed me too. But because like, you and I talked about this, like look, you can be part of the squad. You don't have to play if you're not 100%, just be part of the squad so you can go out you know, with the Welsh flag on the pitch and celebrate with your teammates after the game is over because we all knew Real Madrid were winning the league title. That was the last chance, you know, it's, it's a class example where everyone comes up with their nation's flag and celebrates and, and he, he wasn't a part of that. And um, I'm sympathetic towards all that, but I wanna, just to go back into more chronological order for a second because I think there is a turning point here and 2019 is a big turning point because that's when the China deal collapses and it doesn't go through when Zidane publicly says something about Bale. Um, 2018, if you go, so 2017-2018 season <clears throat> was the year where part of the reason we fell behind 17 points in La Liga to Barcelona but went, still won the Champions League to me. And I, and I went back and read a lot of our tactical analysis and in hindsight, we were dead right about it all which made me very proud. And by we, I mean all of us at Managing Madrid, you and and OM and everyone. Uh, 2017, 2018 season really desperately needed more Bale to be healthy, because every time he played, he was super important, whether it was in the Classical or the Champions League, as we saw. Part of the reason that was is, is and not to drag Isco for a second here, but we're gonna have a great Isco tribute podcast and talk about all the great stuff he did. 1718 was the year after the diamond. The diamond swept Europe. It was unstoppable. 1718 teams were like, "Hold on a second. Let's scout this out. This diamond is good, but here are its flaws. Isco has a free role. He's his teammates never know where he is defensively. And everyone's stretched. Morrich is playing right back. And Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't defend, we can actually just destroy these teams, uh, this team on the counter with one or two vertical passes and it's done. And they just, that's, teams in La Liga were destroying us with like one or two passes. In the Champions League run, ev- like if you go back and look at it, PSG, uh, Bayern, Liverpool in the final, Juve. I'm not saying Isco was bad because Isco actually had a lot of good moments. The game changed when Z- Zidane always did this thing where he would start with the diamond and then he would take the diamond away in the second half and put on wingers. That's when the game changed. And we had a, a, a mammoth, mammoth scouting report ahead of the Liverpool game saying, like, we need Bale in the final to start with Isco. These are the reasons why. And, and most of it had to do with defensive issues that we were, the team was facing. And Bale defended the hell. Uh, he put his life on the pitch defending. Turns out, Bale came on in the final and scored a bicycle kick. And so, 2018, when that final hit, in hindsight, if we had sold them there, that would have been the smartest thing we'd ever done. But you, know, you never know how this thing unfolds, you know, we can't really say that now because it's impossible to sell them. You're losing Ronaldo, Bale just saved you in the final, etc. But that's the moment right that's that's a huge pivot point for him in the club because after that he didn't take Ronaldo's he didn't take the mantle from Ronaldo the next season he didn't step up and he was healthy to start this season right so and that's that that was a huge that was a huge part of the decline as well I mean and the relationship between him and the fans because only Benzema stepped up yeah, and everyone. I mean, it started well
1: under Lobaté. Like that first month, it actually started well. And um, that game yeah. against Roma, where Isco scored the free kick, and then Bale scored. It's one of the goals they always show on like the Real Madrid social media yeah. channels of, Dortmund. Of the the volley was, against
0: Dortmund, also away from
1: home. I don't know if yeah, you remember that. That that was uh, that was a season prior, though, right? That was oh no, no no away from home. I think
0: it was the same that season. It was turned that one yeah. at the beginning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the goal against Roma, he like the one he's in down the left and, he, and then he just nails it with his yeah. laces to the back post. And so everyone thought like, OK, yeah, this is going to be Bale's going to step in like Bale's going to step up as long as he can stay fit. And maybe this will be a year like we can show how good all these other players are in Ronaldo's absence and we can be more of a cohesive team and more of a system rather than relying on building our whole system around one player. Like, that was the excitement following Cristiano's departure. And, yeah, in hindsight, I think you're right. Like, all this could have been avoided, and Bale's legacy would have been probably one of, the, like, <laughs> right up there as one of the best legacies ever, uh, had he just left at that point. He, because he would have had, I mean, he scored two goals in that final in Kyiv he scored obviously in la decima he scored the penalty kick in the milan shootout like he was there for all of them and um he didn't start in cardiff either but he he came on there and it was in his hometown he didn't really have much of an impact in that final that was probably the final he had the least amount of impact but he's he was there and he was a part of it all and he had so many moments that like that would have been probably the best moment for him to to leave the club and I think to your point, the club's hands were tied. Like if you lose both Ronaldo and Bale in one summer, and then every team knows that you're going to be looking for replacements. And there really weren't. I mean, we saw, we struggled that summer to find replacements. We couldn't get Hazard. We signed Mariano Diaz, Odriozola, and Courtois. Like that was it. And then brought Vinicius in and Fede Valverde got promoted. Like that was, that was it so we struggled to find like that was the big thing we wrote about time and time again everyone's like we need to replace ronaldo we need to replace ronaldo but there was nobody on the market that was available we couldn't get lewandowski we couldn't get hazard we couldn't get neymar like these are all the names that we were talking about and they just weren't attainable at that time and so you really couldn't lose bail uh in the same summer because you had no one to replace these guys with
0: yeah, and that's interesting too because you brought up the Lopategi thing, and he didn't. Apart from a couple games, I mean, the the Lopetegui era in itself, that first those first few weeks were actually encouraging. You know, it, from every like we were in a decent spot, and then they went through that historical goal drought where you know Real Madrid hasn't gone this many games without scoring in like X amount of decades. It was just a, a crazy goal drought, and then we had the classical loss. Lopategi was gone, Solari came in. So, like, even before Zidane came back, we all knew that Zidane coming back wasn't going to be necessarily good news for Gareth Bale, right? But to be fair to Zidane, it's not like Zidane inherited, like, a Gareth Bale on fire. Like, if, if Zidane inherited Gareth Bale, who was on fire with Lopetegi and Solari, I'm sure Zidane wouldn't have benched him, right? It's not like he inherited this Gareth Bale that couldn't be benched. So, that's Zidane has every right to go with, you know, a different approach. But I also think, we've seen this with ISCO too in this last year or two. It's one thing to to not start Gareth Bale and not start ISCO in the past year or two. It's another thing to completely outcast them and banish them, and neither of us felt neither Bale nor ISCO were bad enough to just put in a prison cell basically. Um, we actually thought they were valuable contributors. You and I talked about how Bale was actually decent to start the season. This season, um, you know, it's funny, you look back on Tottenham last season. Tottenham, I got a lot of criticisms for the way I, I pronounced that team uh, in the latest School of Real Madrid video. Tottenham, sorry. Uh, with Tottenham, he actually had his third best season ever, statistically speaking. It's, it's crazy. Um, so we don't think, and, and I think he would have been a good backup striker to Benzema this year as, as like to fill that role. Anyways, it seems like Real Madrid, if they know that they don't have a future with X player, they're not going to allocate and invest that much into them. We've seen this with Isco and Bale, and understandably so, like, you know, would you rather allocate those minutes to the younger players you're developing? I think that's a that's completely rational. But I think that also created the divide even, it made the divide even worse because now Bale is even further incentivized to laugh about it instead of cry about it. He's further incentivized to not care so much to play for the club because he's not playing. It's all all connected, it's all related and I don't necessarily blame anyone for being in this position. It's just kind of business, it's football and that's how it went. But I, you, I know you want to jump in, so. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think just the thing for me is like when it got to the point that he was a negative influence in the dressing room, and like, at least be, like the way Hazard's kind of handled this situation has been exemplary. Like, yes, I agree. He's at least been, he's been a, a, a like a good professional. He's put on a smile. He's put on a good attitude. He's tried to. he's said all the right things. And he knows that like younger players look up to him. Bale on the opposite side of it, like he just started going down this path of being just so, it, it was so clear that he didn't care. And that he just had just, it, he, he lost respect for the club. And, and at the same time, you lose your, you're losing the respect of your teammates and you become a negative influence. And you, you show that to younger players, like at the time, Brahim and Rodrigo, who like were on the bench with him, I'm sure. And if he's just falling asleep, like, what does that, what does that tell you? What does that say? And what type of environment does that create? Like, do they start giggling? And like, that's not professional. Like, that's not Real Madrid. And so, um, that's when it, it it got sour for me. And especially like when he didn't, when he would leave games early and, uh, didn't join in in the celebrations. I know we've talked before and I was like about the principles we've been raised with and like how, we just wouldn't, we would never miss those type of things, no matter what was going on. Like we would, we would be there, and so that's where that's for me as a fan. Like I, that's I got really frustrated and just felt like we need to cut ties, we need to get him out of here. And and because of how much space he was taking on the salary wage, like it was hard for us to to make moves in the transfer market. And we've honestly had a Gareth Bale hole in the squad since since this whole, all of this tobacco kind of started and since his Lopetegui year, like what's the one position we've been trying to fill and figure out for however many seasons, the right wing. Like we've had a Gareth-sized hole in our team for, I can't say how long.
0: <clears throat> yeah. And, um, you know, I don't mind him trolling the media. You know, there was that time in the, oh, yeah. Yeah. like, so for example, I I still find it funny and I found it funny then I find it funny now the whole Wales golf Madrid thing After it happened. He did that thing in practice in front of the cameras where he did a golf swing celebration Not in a game, but just in a training thing And I thought that was hilarious because I, I don't mind him trolling the media the Spanish media as Good as they can be sometimes I'll never forget Cause in 2020, that's the year where we launched to Tottenham, and I don't check covers for Mark on us. That used to be a thing I did when I was a kid, cause that's when like, oh, let's see what transfers are gonna put on the front page. Let's you know, and I, when I was younger, I believed everything. It was cooler back then. But now, if if I come across it, it's because usually you know TSFP will put the covers on their Twitter account. Or if it's like really outrageous, like Sid Lowe will, will tweet it out or something like that. And I'll never forget, he tweeted out the cover of that the day I think we, I think it was the cover of us, the day we loaned him up to Tottenham. And basically what they said was that he leaves with a couple of key goals and a bunch of controversies. And when you see stuff like that, you're like, what are you talking about? To diminish his accomplishments at Real to a couple of key goals is embarrassing and just factually incorrect. Like it was way more than that and those key goals are not just key goals. They were like, you know, it's not like he just scored a couple goals. He literally won game-winning trophies. I don't have to say it. And the controversies, what were the controversies? Let's think, let's talk about what we're saying when we say controversies. We're not talking about someone who was out partying late at night drinking and gambling, and doing drugs, and having affairs. We're, someone, we're talking about someone who was shy, who enjoyed playing golf instead of playing video games in his spare time. And that rubbed people the wrong way. Which, by the way, wouldn't have mattered at all if he was just playing and scoring goals. But the expectations and standards we had for him were for some reason much different than we had for your average show. And I understand why, because he's Expensive. He's British. You know, there's going to be different standards in Spain for a player like that. But what controversies are we talking about? Like, we're not talking about a bad person who's doing bad things and committing crimes. He literally doesn't even go out at night. He's just he just chill. He sits down in his pastime. He likes to play golf. But and you could see the delusion in the arguments against this because I remember when this was a thing when this was Wales golf in Madrid. People's art, and I'd be like, cause this was around the same time where Dembele was uh, showing up to Barca training late all the time, missing training with bloodshot eyes because he was up playing video games the night before. And I'm like, guys, so, so would you rather Bale do that instead of play golf for some reason? And they'd be like, no, he's allowed to play golf if he's playing well. Like there's no correlation with that. There's no correlation with, if if he just sat at home and wasn't playing well, then you would have been like, "Why is he sitting at home? He should be doing something else." Like the guy was going to training. The guy was the most fit player in the squad, but he had injuries, and, and then he couldn't get into good rhythm and a good cycle. And and just like, for him to deal with that every day, I'm sure it took a toll. And look, if I'm being really honest, maybe you can call me someone who doesn't care either or whatever. Go at me. If I'm in that situation, I'd have to learn to laugh about it too, man. I Honestly, I, I can understand why he, he can't like, you know, I understand your point of I want him to be a better example for the young guys and stuff um, and be more connected and put his, around, put his arm around Vinicius and all these guys and show him the ropes and, tell him, and, and teach him things and be a good example of that for sure. But, you know, I definitely don't blame him for have, learning to laugh about this stuff. You know, he comes, back from, he comes back from the Wales-Golf-Madrid thing. His teammates put a flag in front of him that he doesn't know about. Then he comes back, the entire stadium is booing this guy. He has a great game off the bench, has to laugh about it. Like, what are you going to do? Like, But I do, the one thing I think he should have done, which he didn't do, he should have had a press conference where she should have clarified. He said, and, and say, I didn't know that that happened. I apologize. He should have done that that i think he absolutely should have done he should have done that so that's
1: where that's where my head's kind of and that's where i'm going to play devil devil's advocate here is i I think yeah okay maybe you didn't like any of this and you decided to laugh about it and uh, who blamed you but i think he could have done a lot more to try and turn the situation around yeah and he never did yeah and i think he could have done whatever it may be, like just small PR stuff that just completely changes people's perceptions. It's really not that hard. Like talk about how much you love the club, blah, blah, blah. Like one of the big things against Gareth Bale was that he never spoke Spanish. And so, um, and everyone's like, and his teammates would be like, he knows how to speak Spanish. He's just shy. And like, he doesn't want to do it for me. Well, like, yeah gareth maybe like do half a half an interview in spanish yeah and like you don't have to film it and then they can just maybe take a few sequences where your spanish looks good and they post that on youtube or whatever and everybody would love you and be like see gareth does speak like just small things like that he could have easily done could have talked about like what real madrid means to him he could have done, like, just so many different things, I felt like. And even just what we talked about, being there for celebrations, being there to, like, be a leader, be a role model. And I think it would have helped his situation with Zidane and his coaches, too. I think he took the tact of, like, okay, you're going you're gonna to isolate me or, okay, you're going to uh, treat me like this. Instead of doubling down, like, honestly, look at what Beckham did. He doubled down. He got scapegoated by Cabello told to go train with the reserves you're not playing for us anymore because you signed a contract with la galaxy instead of like doing what Bale did he doubled down worked extra hard made real madrid needed him he came back into his team scored on the game the game he returned and was instrumental in turning that and making that one of the best seasons of like most fun la liga titles ever and like Bale went the opposite direction he went he pushed even harder into all right, you're gonna isolate me, then I'm gonna do this, this, and this, and I felt yeah. like no, that you should you should have gone the other way.
0: Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that, and and that's that's on him, and his agent. Like, look, I what I would have done is absolutely like the whole Spanish thing. Everybody knew he spoke Spanish. Everybody who knew anything knew he spoke Spanish. But what I would have done if I was in that situation, that we kind of on a micro scale we we have we kind of go through this stuff on a micro scale, right? Like, we put out so much content, it's insane, right? And because of the, our growth and how big we are, it's natural we're gonna get criticism. Like, you know, the more fans we get, the more people who are gonna hate us. And so we get a lot of criticism, we never respond to it, right? We just don't, we ignore it. It just goes into a void, they scream into space, and we laugh about it. And our answer is instead of responding to them directly, we just put out content, more content, more content, more content, we drown them out. And if I was bail, what I would have done, I would have laughed about it, but I would have, I would have just not answered directly. But what I would have done is I would have put out an interview in Spanish. and just, that would have been the answer.
1: What I always said is he should have done an interview with like the guardian or like an English outlet or like sit low and not, so don't do it with a Marco or an ass or like one of the Spanish media, but do it with an English outlet and speak in Spanish. Or like do half the interview in Spanish, half in English, like do something like that. And that would be the total that would be the perfect comeback to the Spanish media. Like not only did you not use them, but you used your own like English media and you spoke in Spanish to them like that would have just been it, it would have been perfect if you wanted to control the media. That's how you do it.
0: Yeah, I 100 percent agree. That's how I would have done it, too. I would have been thrilled if he did that. You know, I I think I've said this story once before, but and I never took it personally because I never take anything personally. But in New Jersey, that seven three loss we had at uh I was in the I was at the stadium as press that night, and I was in the mixed zone. And Bale walked by. I spoke briefly. Like there was, I think, a couple of people who spoke English. Kieran uh, Trippier was there. I had a brief conversation with him, like maybe like thirty seconds. And then uh, Gareth Bale walked by, and everyone from Marco to us to Carina Cope, every Spanish outlet tried to get his attention, and he walked by. And he did not even, he just ignored. And me as a Canadian, or to him probably, he thought I was American. I was like, hey, Gareth, uh, introduce myself from managing Madrid. Do you have a few seconds? He stopped. He stopped and he looked at me, and he said no. But he was very polite about it, and he was like, no, man, sorry, I gotta go. But he was I was the only one he stopped and talked to. The reason I bring up that story is because he doesn't care if it's English or Spanish. He just doesn't want to talk to anyone. Like, that's him. But I think t- the the problem was that the thing that you and I just said about he should have answered it in that way, like an interview with somebody like Sidlow or somebody or whatever, but done it in Spanish. But then, uh, the other problem was this agent, and Jonathan Barnett. Like, I don't want to criticize him because the dude is way smarter than I am, probably, and the guy knows how to make money way more than I can, and is wildly more successful. So I'm not. I don't want. But, but from a PR standpoint, he did way too much damage. Way too much damage. He added fuel to the fire. He should have I would have preferred he was an introvert like Bale and just didn't talk at all and said nothing because he always just came out and said something and it was never like, oh, things are great. It was always a go at Zidane or a go at the club. And something like and, and I, I that really didn't help. The Barnet thing did not help at all.
1: Yeah, for sure. Barnett was he became like a meme himself with just how often he came out and said something. And it was just it got to the point where it was ridiculous. Like it was just it felt like it was almost every other week at some point, especially during the the spell where Bale almost went went to China. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean that that's and that's like that's the sad part of all this. Like obviously we've talked about the the positive stuff, and this is the sad part. But I think at the end of the day, I think his legacy will be nothing but a positive one. I think at least I think as the years go by, that's what people are gonna remember. They're going to remember the good moments. They're going to remember everything Bale did, the Mark Bartra run, the bicycle kick. Like, th- those are, w- are what are going to stand in the mind.
0: At least that's what I think. I'd like to revisit 2019 for a second, though. Uh, what time you got to go? You got 20 minutes or something? Yeah, like
1: probably like 10.
0: All right. <laughs> so I'd <laughs> like to revisit 2019 for a second here. There was that whole preseason thing, and at the time, I believe they were in Texas. Were they Dallas or Houston or something? I don't remember. They were close to you, Matt. This was 2019. This is around the same time where we think he's going to China. And, you know, Bale found a solution at that time in a way that like, okay, you don't want me here, fine. I'll even go to freaking China. Make a lot of money, I'm sure it wasn't a massive sacrifice for him. Uh, but the problem was that Real Madrid weren't getting a transfer fee at that time. So they had agreed to let him go, but then did a 180 turn because they were like, well, shit, no, we, you're a good player. We want to get some money for you. So it broke down. Zidane publicly said, and I quote, if Gareth Bale leaves tomorrow, so much for the better for everyone. And he also went on to say in that same press conference, the reason I didn't put Bale on this team in the preseason is because he's basically on his way out. And turns out, it's, it's funny, we haven't learned our lessons since then, our managing Madrid included, because we spoke about Mbappe as if it was a done deal, and... Turns out, even when Florentino says Mbappe is a done deal, uh, according to many reports close to him, and it turns out when Zinedine Zidane himself says it's a done deal, it's not a done deal. We gotta learn a lesson to stop speaking so factually until the contracts are signed and everything's official. So Zidane thought he was gone, and turns out Bale didn't leave, he stayed. And then on top of that, he comes back, and this goes back to it, full circle everything you were saying about this is a nine to five job for him, or whatever. Zidane actually starts him in the first few games of the season, of the ensuing season, after preseason was over. And Bale had a quote later during that run where he said, yeah, I'm playing, but I'm not happy. And so you could kind of sense that the energy kind of changed again after Zidane publicly said that, and Bale was in the team, and, and he was playing, and it just wasn't the same after that. So I, it just kind of basically, 2018, long story short, if we had a time machine, we should we should just go back and sell him right after that Champions League final, get rid of his salary right there, right then. Probably overpay for someone somewhere, but it would have preserved his legacy and it would have opened up a lot of space for us financially. Because we, after that, it just was a disaster. Well, even
1: you go back in time to 2019 and the China offer, and I think you just say, you know what, you accept that. With the zero transfer fee. Oh, and Just except getting his wages. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's, there's two moments now where it's like, wow, you, you had two opportunities. And so the fact that he stayed and he outlasted Zidane, the fact that he, he stayed, I mean, you can't entirely blame Bale because there were two opportunities during that period to really get him off the books.
0: And it's funny, like if you go back like through so many seasons, including this one, the Lopetegi one, the Zidane comeback one, he starts the first few games of the season and then just basically disappears. And mostly because he just even can't this stay one, Even this yeah, season, he started the first one. few games. Yeah. So do you want to do a, put a bow on this and just give me like one parting thought? For Bale and the fans yeah, in the podcast. I, I feel
1: like we should end on a positive because I know we've been talking about like the tail end of his career and that's been nothing but just frustration and negativity. So I do want to end it on a positive. Um and I just think like he was, without a doubt, a special player. And I think there's no question he's probably the greatest Welsh player to ever to ever play the game. And he his he had so many assets that speed i mean that's what first blows you away it's just that speed it was remarkable it, he reminds me of like a modern day hento and he and he obviously wore the number 11 as well so it was a good parallel and just the left foot the the bullet the free kicks the shot long distance shots you mentioned the pirou- the uh pirouettes and like the little roulette skills that he could pull off uh the cruyffs the cutting in on his left foot and pu- putting in a dagger cross like his a- aerial ability. I think that's another thing that was underrated, especially as he got older, his aerial ability was great. And so um, his defensive contribution, he would always work two ways, especially at the comp new and he had countless goals disallowed at the comp new for no reason whatsoever. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just been, there's been so many moments and he's done so much good for Real Madrid. and I, I think that's what we should, we should leave this with and how we should, we should
0: end it. Agreed. I'll piggyback off on ending on a positive note and just run through his Real Madrid CV really quickly. Uh, four FIFA Club World Cup titles, five Champions League titles, three Spanish Cup titles, uh, or sorry, La Liga titles, three UEFA Super Cup titles, one Spanish Cup titles, three Spanish Super Cup titles, and throughout a bunch of goals a bunch of important goals, a bunch of memories we will never forget, some of the best memories I've ever had as a Madridista, and we get to watch him in a World Cup in Qatar, so congrats Gareth, congrats Wales for qualifying, and we wish you a great World Cup, wish you the best, and uh, I hope that history will remember you for all the good things that you did, and the fans can allow some of those those wounds to heal matt thanks for joining me on this sunday appreciate your time and we'll talk soon thanks guys thanks take care all right hope you guys enjoyed that gareth bale tribute podcast on this fine sunday and before we wrap it up you know the drill we got to give a shout out to our amazing patrons over on patreon.com managing where we'll be very active this summer And we will be very active next season we're just revving up we're revving up after all these years we've barely gotten started we're uh increasing the content we're going to bring more people in and we're going to be even more on the ground most of the podcast next season will just be purely from the stadium if you heard a few podcasts from the stadium this season pretty much all of them next season will be from the stadium we're going to be increasing our coverage and going to be more connected than ever next season so Shout out to our patrons who make a lot of this possible and shout out specifically to our $10 patrons because in addition to getting guaranteed responses to their questions, they also get a shout out on the podcast. So shout out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Way Pairing, Wamit Jamal, Umar Mahadi, Tyler Simon, Tobias Royal Botcher, Talib Salhab, Tarek Goktas, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Shivam Tiwari, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil, Shabal Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Rosano, Samir Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Zapatero Zubiare Nick Ribeiro, uh, Nicholas Moller, Muxith Thengal, Mowgli, Nelson Masariego, Nathan Hermes, uh, M.J. Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Martin Ridman, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Isam Arabi, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito. Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Austin Fury-Erdman, Ashik Bashar, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Antons Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Alexis Saniseros, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalikovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun Ramtin Mahrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys are freaking awesome. Love you all. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and halamari. Take care.